What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins. That is David Lake. We are coming to you today to talk uh, some Miami football and recruiting like always. Um, If you guys haven't checked out our most recent podcast that came out a few days ago, uh, it was all about Derek King. Miami made a huge splash in the transfer portal, adding the Houston graduate transfer quarterback, uh, along with Temple graduate transfer defensive end Quincy Roche. So I'm sure we're going to talk more about that uh, at some point during this podcast. We're also going to preview what is shaping up to be a monster recruiting weekend uh, for the Hurricanes. We're going to talk about Jaron Williams entering the portal uh, and just kind of get into some other things. So first off, David, how are you? uh, How you doing? Doing well. Looking forward to this weekend. We're going to be Hitting the seven-on-seven seven circuit a little bit down in Miami, and should be fun and a and a big visitor weekend too for for you to cover. <laughs> It'll be fun, definitely a, a big time for a Miami football program. Yeah, I mean, is are we considering Doral Miami? Is that Miami? That's where the tournament is. That's yeah. I mean, loosely Miami, Dade County. Okay. Greater Greater Miami area, maybe should have been the term you used. Right, right, right. Um, so let's kind of start off with we are now uh, four or five days removed from the Eric King announcing that he uh, will spend his final season of eligibility at Miami. Um, he started classes at at Miami on Tuesday. The Canes football account. Uh, officially announced it kind of on Friday that the King is here. And it was just like a video of um, King walking on campus somewhere. I think it was outside of the athletics facility. Now that the dust has settled, uh, just your initial thoughts and, or or do you have more thoughts, I guess? Well, I mean, you know, I think you and I could tell that it kind of re-energized the fan base, which is good to see. Um, You know, I think, you could also tell uh, on social media that some of the players on the team are excited about this addition. Uh, we've already seen the domino effect of adding King in that quarterback room, which we could get into later with Jaron Williams uh, deciding to leave. But yeah, I mean, you know, as the dust settles and you hear what maybe the national pundits are thinking about this addition, um, you know, I, I think it's interesting that it's it's kind of a mixed reaction. Um, you know, I, I think it's fair to maybe have some reservations about Derek King. Well, let me say this. I think it depends on what your expectations are. So if you expect Derek King to now um, help Miami leap into a college football playoff berth, I think that is a little unrealistic, but I think if you expect Derek King to now help Miami reach that nine or 10 win level uh, in 2020, I think that is realistic. And if that is the case, then I think adding Derek King is a home run higher. Um, Also too, just higher, higher addition, addition, addition. Sorry. (laughs) Also too, I think, um, you know, just watching more tape of him, I am more and more impressed, honestly, of his skills as a passer. Uh, is he? Does he still have plenty to work on? Yes. 
but the arm strength is definitely there. I think he goes through progressions very well. I don't think he is a one-read quarterback. And then, of course, his running ability is is dynamic. We've kind of always known that, but and that's going to significantly help the offensive line look better. So I'm excited to see how it looks in the spring. Uh, I think Miami's offense is going to be much more dangerous with him as a dual threat, particularly in the red zone. I think his running threat in the red zone is is going to be a, a serious element to this offense in terms of scoring touchdowns and not having to settle for field goals or missed field goals. Um, so, yeah, I think now that the dust settled, we, we know it's happened. This is a big-time get for Miami and Manny Diaz, and and we'll see how it all plays out starting this spring. Uh, if you want to talk about realistic expectations and, I guess, unrealistic expectations how about uh derrick king's heisman odds are like now the fourth best in the country behind trevor lawrence um justin fields and spencer rattler i thought that was yeah i don't know that's a little too much for me it's a little much i mean if let's just say this if derrick king does come in fourth place in the heisman voting um Miami's probably right in the mix for the college football playoff. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, yeah, I, I do think that is unrealistic, though. I, I mean, there's no doubt Derek King is a upgrade, probably even a significant upgrade at quarterback. What that equals, I mean, I, I think it can get you to the nine-win mark. I think if other spots on the team are also improved because of the addition of King— Maybe that gets you to the 10-win 10, 10 mark. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I stand at it, it overall. I, it's a, we've said this in the last podcast, but I don't know if Miami could have landed a more perfect quarterback for the first year of the Rhett Lashley system at Miami. So it's a grand slam home run. Yeah, just, just with the offensive line play. And, you know, you posted a video on, on our site um, Friday, Miami.247sports.com of King returning a kickoff for a touchdown, which is just yeah. insane. And I know we talked about it on the last podcast, but he's very athletic and I think he'll be able to kind of dance and and, and get away from from some defenses. Uh, so King went official. Um, there was a ton of speculation. I think we even talked about it on this podcast how that was going to have some domino effect. Um, some guys we're going to potentially transfer and one of them has entered the transfer portal, Jaron Williams. Um, I think Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press was the first one to report it on, on Thursday. And then Jaron eventually went ahead and made a statement on his social media accounts that um, basically said there's a fork in the road and sometimes you just got to go one way and thank Miami fans and said he came here to win a national championship and he, and he wish he had, had done that. David, your takeaway from this, like we both kind of saw this one coming, right? First off, you know, classy post by Jaron Williams. Um, You know, I do think he wish it worked out at Miami. It didn't work out. And look, Manny Diaz has to win now. So he had to make this move. He, you pointed out in a previous podcast, which I think is extremely true, that Manny stood by Jaron a lot longer than a lot of coaches would have. Uh, I think Manny 
kind of put his neck on the line for Jaron in some ways, and it just didn't work out. Um, Jaron's going to have plenty of opportunities to go elsewhere. Uh, don't know where exactly that might be at this point, but, you know, you had this article in our admin preloaded <laughs> for how long now? I mean, we, we kind of all saw all this writing on the wall with with them going after some grad transfer quarterbacks and and once they finally got one it just seemed like the best move for all parties uh would be jaron moving on because also i mean look not that jaron is necessarily a bad guy or, or anything like that but miami probably doesn't want him in the quarterback room this spring with the king definitely poised to be the starter you know it's just bad vibes probably so i think it's best case scenario for all all parties to move on and part ways just to add to that and um i'm really interested to see where he does end up i'm assuming he's gonna have to sit somewhere so he does have the talent it just seems like it's not not there in the head so i want to know who who rolls the dice on him but let's not forget Last winter, he basically entered his name in the portal, but didn't enter his name in the portal. And I thought it, yeah, you know, his family's got it like an attorney. Um, so maybe they're going to go for a hardship waiver. I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, like you said, we've had this sitting in the admin, I think, really since Miami started pursuing graduate transfer quarterbacks. And as one player on the team told me, like, when I asked a few weeks ago, is Jaron going to leave? They said, if, if Miami gets a graduate transfer quarterback, then yes. And sure enough, that's kind of what happened. Um, do you think Jaron will be the only one that leaves in that quarterback room? So you still got, in addition um, to King, you got four other scholarship guys. You got uh, Tyler Van Dyke, the, the true freshman who just enrolled early. I don't think that there's a chance he leaves. Uh, Peyton Matocha, who was a Dan Enos recruit. Signed last cycle, took a red shirt this year, ran ran that scout team, and then you got Nicosi Perry and and Tate Martell. So, do you think anyone else might be on the on the way out? I'll say, long term, yes, I do think you know Nicosi, Tate, maybe both will leave. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen before the spring. To be honest, I think the guys will go through the spring and see. You know, particularly, well, I guess both of them, honestly. I, I think, see how it looks with this offense. Uh, maybe one of them is willing to be the backup to Derek, and then they get a crack at being the starter next year. Um, so I think we'll see them go through the spring and kind of reassess things. And, you know, definitely I think one of those guys will leave. Tate. Or Nikosi, um, which one? I'm not so sure, to be honest, because quite frankly, I think both guys like being at Miami, so I don't think it's like a slam dunk situation that they will leave necessarily. But if their goal is to play, then yeah, I think one of them will probably leave some point after the spring, maybe summer. If you're a Miami fan, like what scenario are you kind of hoping for? Um, I, I think it's like Tyler Van Dyke emerging as the number two, if I'm being honest. And I, I don't know if that will happen, but just because King's a one-year rental, so who are you going to start? If you're thinking big term and, and big picture and going into 2021, remember 2021 Miami opens the season against Alabama. So 
they got to start grooming someone at, at some point. So I was just interested yeah. to see or I'm you with know. you. I think ideally Van Dyke shows signs this spring. Like, do I think he will necessarily totally be the number two quarterback this spring? I think that's a lot to expect. But if he shows flashes of, OK, he can get it done at this level. He just needs a little more seasoning. That's probably the best case scenario. I think, you know, we know what Nikosi is at his best, and that's probably more of like a game manager type role, um, which is fine. I mean, that's honestly not that bad of a role for a backup quarterback. Um, and then Tate, I don't know. I don't know if he can play quarterback at, at a level that Miami needs. Uh, maybe this Rhett Lashley offense unlocks some of his strengths and some of the things he does well. Um, but, you know, after this 2019 calendar year, I think it's fair to question whether Tate is really all that committed to being a quarterback um, at a place like Miami. So I don't know. I, I, I agree, big picture, though, that it's probably best if Tyler Van Dyke proves to be a guy that they feel like can take over the reins when De'Eric King's time is is finished. I think Matocha is kind of like the wild card in all this. Yeah. Like we really haven't seen anything of him. You know, there was points in the season where I was like, oh, maybe this will be the game he gets in. Um, I'm who intrigued. was it? Who they Yeah. I mean, I think he could be a guy in this offense. You know, he's from from yeah. Texas. I don't know if Lashley recruited him, but I, I wouldn't rule him out or count him out. He ran a similar, you know, in Texas, they all kind of run this style of offense. So he does have, you know, a elementary level understanding already of what this offense is about. Um, and he is more athletic probably than people think. He was a, what, six foot eight high jumper. And I think he won some, a state championship in Texas. Uh, for the yeah. high jump. So, I mean, there is some athleticism there, some dual threat ability. Um, you know, you watch his high school tape, he can throw he can throw a pretty good deep ball. So I think there is something there. My thing just with the quarterback room in general is who's going to take this thing seriously? Because that's kind of what it's been the last two years. Like, who's going to put in the extra work? Who's going to grind the extra hours? And I think if got a guy like Tyler Van Dyke and or Peyton Matoka does that, then, you know, they're, it's not going to be too long before they overtake uh, Nikosi Perry or Tate Martell. Anything else on the quarterbacks or you want to move on to the next under the rate or next edition for Miami that happened this week? I'm just curious, how will you remember Jaron? Like what's... Uh, you know, five years from now, when we think about the Jaron Williams season, what what is what's going to stand out in your head? Do you think? Well, this doesn't qualify as the season, but my one lasting Jaron Williams memory will be when we were at what's the name of that sandwich place? Yeah, I for, it keeps changing, but uh, there's like a little stop and shop. It's not a I think gas it is stop station. and shop. Is it okay? It's like a convenience store right by Titanic, if you know the UM campus. But go ahead. And he was just getting like extra mayo on his his sandwich in front of us because he was like refereeing uh, one of the seven on seven tournaments. That'll be my last thing at Midge. No, <clears throat> um, I think for me, 
I mean, how could you not say like the highs? Like the highs just stand out to me. The throws he made against Florida State, the throws he made uh, against Louisville, and that record-breaking performance. Like those all stand out to me. But at the same time, I, like I'll always remember those. But I mean, the lows against FIU were just yeah. For me, pretty- it's FIU. Like. And I agree, like Louisville, that Florida State Louisville stretch, I thought Miami found its quarterback. I, you know, he made some really impressive throws in those two games. But then FIU, it was like for those first three quarters, it was like, man, do you want to be here? You know, the way he the way he looked as he was walking off the field to the sideline, it was weird. I don't know. I cannot explain what happened to Jaron over that course of what, six weeks or so. It's weird. Uh, I still don't know what to make of it, to be honest. I don't think even the Miami coaching staff necessarily knows what to make of it, except the results turned really bad really quick, and you know they decided to move on. Like I don't think Miami's upset that he's leaving at all, but I do. Right. I do. I guess I should because I I put this out on our message board when the reports started surfacing that he was entering the portal. I don't think he had informed Manny Diaz, or actually, I know he hadn't um, informed yeah. Manny Diaz. And you might not make much of that, but there's some people on our message board that I thought were had an interesting take. They think that's kind of just on brand with Jaron, and yeah. I I agree. I mean, you said it that a, a few minutes ago. I mean, Manny went to bat a lot for Jaron. Yeah, and. If, for, for him, he's really burning that bridge. I, I don't know. It just kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I would say, too, and I alluded to this earlier, though. Did, like, ultimately, does Miami want Jaron in the quarterback room this spring, though? Does that mean, you no. know what I mean? So, no. I think just the bottom line end result of Jaron leaving is for the best for everyone. Yeah. Okay, let's move away from Jaron and the quarterbacks and all that. Miami with a, another addition this week. You know, we talked about Quincy Roche and the Eric King at length, and I hinted at a possible another move Miami was going to make on the last podcast. Well, that uh, came to a fruition. That happened on what was it Tuesday night? Former Washington State signee Keyshawn Smith. Uh, announces that he had committed to Miami. Smith was a basically a three-star wide receiver out of the San Diego area that had signed with, with the Cougars. He somehow got out of his NL, NLI once Mike Leach left to take the job at Mississippi State. I shouldn't say somehow. I mean, this is very common practice in college basketball um, just with how their recruiting calendar is set up. And we're seeing more and more of this in college football now just because you have the early signing period and um, schools right. are now making moves, so it's a lot easier for kids to get out. Um, but Miami found this kid. Um, they absolutely love his tape, and Miami hasn't officially announced that he's on campus and, and as an early enrollee, but um, there's reason to believe that he has started classes. I think he put out a photo of his like student card on, on Instagram or anything like that. So um, it, your initial thoughts, and then I'll share mine because – this kind of came out of nowhere, and it happened really fast. Yeah, I mean, just from watching his highlight, 
I mean, I'm intrigued. He's definitely very athletic. He looks like a guy who has long arms for his height. He's what about six foot? Is that right? And yeah, I think uh, he's six foot. But it looks like he has long arms, which is always a good thing. Um, and you know, he can definitely run after the catch. He can go up and make difficult contested catches. Um, let me ask you this: Would you be shocked if he ends up being the best receiver? You know, college career if he ends up being the best receiver of the receivers Miami signed in this class? Oh, I, that's, an, that's a good question because um, I've had a conversation with a lot of people and they think a lot of people that are involved in various degrees of this kid's recruitment or, or just fans, and, they, and a lot of people think he has the highest ceiling of the bunch. I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, I do think from a numbers perspective, this move makes sense. I mean, remember, Miami is shifting to a spread offense. um, And they, from what I heard, wanted to bring another guy in this spring. Um, And there was a time where I think the idea of potentially bringing a graduate transfer was tossed around. But if Miami brings in a graduate transfer like they did K.J. Osborne, there's a feeling that maybe that might have scared off some of the current wide receivers that are on the roster, which is why uh, they went with Keyshawn Smith. I know that's not what you asked me, but uh, Keyshawn Smith's fine. I, I, I got to see it um, before I, I'm sold. I do believe he's going to get moved up in, in, in 24-7 sports' rankings at some point. I talked to West Coast analyst Greg Biggins. He's a big fan of, of Keyshawn, and I, I get the take i mean if this guy was going to be in an air raid offense at washington state why can't he be in a up-tempo spread look at miami which is what rhett lashley is going to run two things to note also um his dad was a major league baseball player for the san diego padres don't have his name in front of me and then i was also told he's got two brothers that are like six four two older brothers so there's some people that think he's going to keep growing but i get it i'm fine with it i'm just not ready to like jump up and down and proclaim that this is yeah. an, a, a great take. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I like the take. I'm not saying he is going to be the best receiver. I just think it's not like the point I guess I'm trying to make is typically these late additions to the class are not really talented guys like it, it's like, like usu- Nigel Bethel <laughs> yeah they're usually reaches I guess is what I'm saying and I don't put Keyshawn Smith in that category is that fair okay I mean I, I guess I'll put it like this I think there is a good chance he'll be better than Daz Warsham right I would agree with that um and I'm a big Michael Redding fan um you know there's some things that need to be get uh smoothed out there but he's got a lot of potential and then you know Xavier Restrepo can be a you know a fine slot receiver at the college level you know because you know he's gonna work at it um but yeah I'm I'm I think eventually Keyshawn has a chance to be a starting receiver at Miami maybe two or three years down the road yeah do you have a player comparison for him Ooh, I don't. Do you? <laughs> no, I don't. 
I was on some other podcast and they had me compare someone on the spot like that. I'm like, this is it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I need time. But yeah, next podcast, I'll have one for you. Um, anything else on him? I mean, I, I guess the big thing that's what I want to kind of explain is why they took this kid. Um, yeah, they need numbers at receiver. It's crazy. Definitely. Right? I mean, th- it, what's also crazy is they're going to have four early enrollee wide receivers in that in that room for whoever is going to be the wide receivers coach. I mean, we still don't know who that's going to be. So it'll be they, – they're going to have their work cut out for them. Um, yeah. Real quickly, before we jump into the break, out of all the receivers that are on the roster, and I guess you can include these, who are you most excited to see kind of in Rhett Lashley's offense? Ooh, I could go two ways with this. Should I stay loyal to my boy? I'm a big <laughs> – I'm a big Mark Pope fan, so I'll say Mark Pope. Um, I can't explain why it hasn't worked out up to this point. I'm hoping Rhett Lashley can unlock his potential, though, because I do think he is an extremely talented receiver. Um, So I'll say Mark Pope. Are you going to say the other guy? Oh, I don't know who the other guy is. Uh, Pope, Pope, I'm intrigued to see, but I really want to see what Jeremiah Payton does. That was the other guy. Yeah. Do you think, because this was also a debate on our message board, or there was a thread about it, do you think he could be the James Procise, or is he too big? Play the no. James Procise role that... Honestly, I know, think I think either one of those guys, honestly, could be that guy. Um, and, and just so people know, he James Prochet is the um, SMU receiver last year who i think he he definitely led the country in targets he led the country in receptions he had you know well over a thousand yards a bunch of touchdowns he was their you know slot receiver and he was mainly a guy that would run crossing routes all day long cross 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 and it was just like easy dump off situations if the defense decided to take away the vertical routes on the outside so ideally in that position, you want a guy who, of course, is fast and a guy who has the creativity, acceleration, quickness to maybe make a tackle miss and pick up some some yardage in space. They would also flex Prochet out wide at times and use him that way, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think both Pope and Peyton can play that role. I think body type wise, you you... You would probably expect Mike Harley, maybe, because he's more of the quote-unquote slot receiver body type. Um, But I think in terms of dynamic ability, uh, Pope and Peyton probably bring more to that spot than Harley would. I I do think Harley will play a ton because he is, you know, he's a smart guy who can learn an offense very quickly and that's always appealing for college level offensive coordinators. Um, but I think ability wise, seeing a guy like Peyton or Pope in that role would be very exciting and could be, uh, explosive. Don't forget, uh, me and you both heard from different people that Peyton was apparently tearing it up this, uh, this season on the scout team. All right, coming up on the other side, guys, we're going to get into uh, the junior day. Miami's got a bunch of guys coming on campus. Talk maybe a little bit about this seven-on-seven tournament. 
Um, and what was the other thing we were going to discuss? Oh, uh, some of the support staff changes that have happened. So talk to you on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we are back. And uh, Andrew, I wanted to dive into uh, one of the interesting articles you wrote earlier this week. Uh, on the website, and it had to do just kind of with the numbers situation that Miami is faced with uh, scholarship-wise right now with the football program. It's kind of, uh, these numbers are hard to get because, you know, no program really puts out their scholarship numbers or, you know, when they count scholarships forward or backward or, or whatever it is, whatever the case may be. Um, but anyways, Take us through just this recruiting class or this uh, cycle of being able to add players. What is the amount that Miami could add and how many more spots can they add? Well, this is the hot topic, really. Um, After Miami added Derek King, um, Quincy Roche, and Keyshawn Smith, basically Miami is done like they're full in the class of 2020 and a lot of fans are wondering why because Miami has so many scholarships available in that 85 I don't have the exact number for me but what a lot of people don't realize and understand is that you can only take 25 kids uh, a year that's the new rule the NCAA has or I guess it's not a new rule but the NCAA has kind has kind of tightened that up uh, and it's trying to prevent schools from really over-signing. So yeah, there's situations and and scenarios where you can get to 26 or 27. So if you go up and down different schools' commit lists, you will see schools over that 25. Um, and oftentimes those, those schools are either ca- counting kids back or they're, or they're counting kids forward. And from my understanding, Miami isn't planning to or can't count anyone back. And they might be able to count some kids forward, um, but as we enter really the final, what, two weeks before February 5th National Signing Day, the Hurricanes only have really one spot uh, left because they signed 18 kids during the early signing period. Um, they have Willie Moist, the defensive tackle, committed. They added Keyshawn Smith, uh, Jose Borgales, the FIU place kicker, Quincy Roche, like I said, and De'Ara King. Uh, did I mention I, Isaiah Dunson already? Isaiah yeah. Dunson's committed. So so you're at 24 right now. And the number I keep hearing from anyone I talk to, anyone around the program, 
uh, is 25. Uh, that's what they're going to take the cycle, 25. So, that, so Miami has one spot. Um, there's a growing belief that Willie Moyce probably won't qualify, or uh, that's not a, a guarantee. So maybe now Miami has two spots, um, and that's, that's kind of setting the stage. That's why Miami, like I keep saying, is full, and they're pretty much done. I mean, they're operating with really just one or two spots left, and the priority right now is offense alignment. Do you think – so the February signing day is not that far away. Um, do you think Miami will let Moyes sign that day? Like is that going to have know. to be a discussion? I think that's going to have to be a discussion. Um, I, I think if it's up to Miami, they would rather use that scholarship somewhere else. Just because yeah. they need offensive linemen, um, and there's some some big what I would call big fish or unicorns that are in play. Uh, Avante Williams, the the top twenty four seven safety out of Deland, he is um, a guy that Miami just got on campus for an official visit. Someone they think they have a good chance with. Someone that Manny Diaz and Ephraim Banda conducted an in home visit with on. Thursday. So, what happens if that guy wants in? Um, right. And, and and I think there's this scenario where where he could be in, and maybe there is some uns or yeah, some some unsigned top offensive recruit out there that all of a sudden thinks Miami's a lot more attractive because they have a Derek King at quarterback. What happens if one of those guys wants in? So, um, that's why I think there's a chance. Moist might not sign. And the other thing is he hasn't even taken his official visit yet. And to my knowledge, Miami hasn't seen him while they're out on the road uh, recruiting. They haven't seen him this, this month and they didn't see him last month. And that's usually an indicator of where things stand. Yeah. So it seems like if you read the tea leaves, most likely it's not going to work out with Miami and Moyes. I guess, do you feel like, let's say one of those big fish, quote unquote, big fish, high school prospect recruits, doesn't pick Miami is then the move to graduate transfer offensive lineman because that would excite me like just you know immediate help on the offensive line would they go two there or are they just gonna stick with one you think I think they would well I, I if that were to happen I you know I don't think we're gonna know anything about graduate transfer offensive lineman until we get closer to May. the summer months yeah because yeah. I mean there's they didn't get anyone in for the spring semester, so they're probably going to wait. So, I mean, there's a realistic chance on National Signing Day, nothing happens for Miami. You know, maybe they'll right. formally announce uh, some of these transfers, but they could really very well not add anyone. Um, and then they would try to save, not save scholarships, but host and recruit some of these offensive linemen like Devin Cochran, a, a kid out of Vanderbilt. Um, Henry Hades, a kid out of Stanford. They're also talking to a kid out of, out of USC. I don't have his name right off the top of my head, but all those guys don't graduate in May. So uh, there's a chance that they could wait. Um, maybe they also go through spring practice and they decide that, hey, we do need uh, a graduate transfer wide receiver. And then I think come, come May that maybe they want to save that scholarship as well. So that's just kind of the numbers situation, what Miami's dealing with, what they're, what they're juggling. Um, another thing I would point out is a lot of people think that Miami 
or, or want to know if Miami's going to take a, a high school offense alignment. And from what I've heard, yeah, they would take one, but it's got to be an elite guy. And there's not a lot of elite guys out there right now. So it seems like Miami is just going to uh, focus solely on the graduate transfers just because they don't want to waste a scholarship spot and they need some guy that's going to come in and play and push for playing time right away. And this 25 cap roster management problem in terms of, you know, quote unquote problem with being under the 85 scholarship limit, that's going on at a lot of places, right? That's fair to say. This isn't just like a Miami Manny Diaz roster management problem, right? Right, 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 right. I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, 25 a year, it, it once you get behind, it's really hard to catch up. Well, and the, the the transfer portal is a big thing now, right? So yeah, if you have six guys enter the transfer portal, it's hard to, like you said, make make up that loss. And and there's a few different conferences out there. I think um, the American Athletic Conference and Big Twelve are are co-sponsoring a proposal to change this and amend this. Um, and there's a chance that could happen, but it, that wouldn't go into, into effect until the next year. It's still got to clear the Division One Council, but this has definitely been identified as a problem uh, just because of the nature of how kids transfer now, and like I said, once you're behind, it's it's really hard to catch up, and schools now have gotten so, not gun-shy, but they're so selective about who they want to bring in um, because, I mean, if you, if you bring someone in and, and they don't work out, then... You're not only costing yourself a spot in the 25, in the 85, but also in that 25. And I know there was a lot of people re- wondering why Manny Diaz decided to bring offensive linemen Cleveland Reed back. And the reality is, it would have been a few years until Miami really gets that, that Reed spot right. left. So he he wanted to come back, and uh, as someone that is very high up in in, in the football program told me, they're like, you know what? we're not all that upset that we have one of those guys walking around our, our locker room. Now, now we can tell kids, yeah, you, you, you want to go try the transfer portal? Look, look, look at Cleveland Reed. You know, he, he went out, uh, didn't get up picked offers anywhere. And now he's back here and he, he's starting at the bottom. So that's something also to keep in mind. So just to recap, it's fair to expect on national signing day that at the February national signing day, that Isaiah Dunson, who is committed is probably the only high school prospect that Miami could sign. Maybe they sign, you know, maybe things go well with Avante Williams here down the stretch. That would be a great addition. Or maybe some out of nowhere, big time offensive player wants to join as well. But really, it's going to be kind of quiet on the high school front from now until signing day. Right. That's a good way to put it. I mean, you summarized it way better than probably I did. I just kind of rambled on and on. And I think we'll know once we get closer to March and April which graduate transfer offense alignment they really start targeting. I mean, remember, Manny Diaz and this staff, I mean, they've always been involved in the graduate transfer game. Um, they, They haven't always been involved in getting kids in for the spring semester. So go back to three years ago, I think it was like D Delaney. He didn't visit till like May. And then the, the, the cornerback that out of the Citadel that ended up at Miami, um, Tito, the offensive, the defensive lineman, excuse me, he was a real late guy. So yeah, I mean, you would have liked to get them in for those spring practices, but 
uh, there's still plenty of time to go out and find some guys. Tell me this, and, and this can be somewhat of a transition to the next topic. Um, but do you, f- am I making too much of this point? Does this maybe help the fact that things are kind of solidified already with this 2020 class? There's really not much left to do there. They can kind of now focus on 2021 recruiting, really dig in, establish relationships there, uh, even send out a flurry of offers. Uh, do you feel like that's a this is a good thing for 2021 recruiting, or is this just, I mean, was that going to happen anyways, do you feel like? Uh, I mean, well, they signed 18. I, I think it was going to kind of happen anyways. Um, I will say, though, you know, when we talk about this numbers thing, a lot of people think, well, why doesn't Miami just try to count as many guys as they can forward? And the issue there is, Let's say Miami does have a 9 or 10 win season. Now you've taken scholarship spots away from your, your 2021 class. And your 2020, right. in, in 2021 in, in, in South Florida is, is, is as loaded as me and you have ever seen it. Yeah. So now you're, you're kind of hurting yourself there. And obviously, I mean, a lot of things would have to fall your way. But that's something that has to be taken into consideration, I think. Yeah, this local 2021 class, you want as many open spots as possible for that reason you just said. It's loaded, uh, and you know, with De'Ara King in the fold, maybe they do win 9 or 10 games. So yeah, you want to capitalize as much as possible on this local 2021 recruiting class. Um, but mentioning 2021s, uh, Miami getting a ton of them on campus this weekend. Yeah. I think this visitor's list that we have up on the site is about as loaded as I've seen it in a long time. Two yeah. reasons for that. One of them is, you know, they've condensed this contact period so much that kids know they kind of have to take visits now. And the second thing is that seven on seven tournament we mentioned that's taking place in Doral is getting a lot of national teams through here. So Miami well, has opened us, their doors to go ahead. Tell, tell us what the condensed because uh, it has changed the recruiting calendar. Tell us what that means. Yeah, so February, for the first time I think ever, is a complete dead period. Uh, no visits, nothing like that. I don't think it's ever been like that. I mean, in years past, Miami would have kids on campus every right. every weekend, really, in February, and that that's going to be a no-go. So you only got three weekends to host kids. Miami didn't really hosts anyone besides the official visitors last weekend so they're doing a bit of a mini junior day this weekend and i anticipate them doing another big one next uh probably the first weekend of march i would assume and you mentioned you know we both mentioned there's a local uh, seven on seven tournament that is going to attract uh some teams from around the country who are maybe some of the out-of-state big-time guys that might swing by Miami this weekend that that the fans should know about? The first one I want to mention is five-star cornerback Isaiah Johnson. He's out of West Virginia, I think Bluefield High School. Um, 24-7 sports currently has him ranked as the nation's number one cornerback. He's actually playing for the Miami Immortals 7-on-7 organization. So he's going to be on the same team as like Miami 2021 commits, Khalil Brantley and Tim Burns. Uh, I think he flew in on Friday, not going to leave till Sunday. I'm not really sure when he's going to be on campus, but he will 
stop by the football facilities at some point. Obviously a huge deal. I mean, he's a very highly ranked kid. Um, so Miami fired up about that. Really, it's a lot of 2022 kids as well. Um, I know you asked me out of state, but there there is one in-state kid I want to mention, Dakota Mitchell. He's a three-star safety out of oh, Winter Park. That's the same school that produced Marcus Clark, Miami's uh, 2020 cornerback signee. He's going to come down here with certified dogs. This will be his first time on campus. I know he's just a three-star recruit now, but in my eyes, I think he's probably one of the top safeties in the state. So Miami excited that he's going to visit. Um, and then let me go down my list. I'm going through the list. I think those are oh Christian Leary, another Orlando-based kid. He's at uh, Edgewater. Short little slot receiver the Hurricanes offered this week. I think he's like a 10-8-6 kid in the 100-meter dash, 4-5 on the lasers. So those are really three that Miami's kind of benefiting um, just from that tournament being right down the road. So, okay, you have a very long list of guys who are expected to be there. What day is it? It's Sunday, right? When the yeah. junior day is. So, And this doesn't include the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. It's kind of a lot of local guys, too. Uh, it again, it's a very long list, so we don't necessarily need to do list talk. But give me first, give me the one guy. You can only pick one. Give me the one guy on this list that you feel like, you know, Miami needs to make a strong impression with on this Sunday visit. Oof. I'm going to go outside the box here. OK, okay. Um, you know, it'd be easy to point to one of these guys with a lot of stars next to their name, but I'm going to go in a different direction. Miami's going to get Ryan Rodriguez on campus Sunday. He's a local offensive lineman from Miami Columbus. Miami was his first power five offer. Uh, Garen justice, you know, watched him work out at 6 AM and then offered him. He has since picked up bids from like West Virginia, Indiana, um, and a bunch of other power five schools. I think if I'm Miami, I try to lock this kid up right now just because we know about the offensive line struggles and i think he's a guy that can play in a spread offense and he self admits that he kind of grew up a hurricane fan his whole family grew up hurricane fans so i think he's someone that they should try to make a move with and um that's someone i i anticipate will kind of get that that red carpet treatment from them this is kind of a dangerous game, but but would you say he's on commit watch? Yeah, I wrote in the preview we put up Friday morning. I mean, you never really know with these type of events. Anyone could commit or anything like that, but he is someone that I think you should keep an eye on. Um, another else, guy. I, who else would be on commit watch? I know Miami's going to try to make a move on Tavares Dawson. He's a unranked athlete out of um, the Fort Myers area. I think he's at, fast. At, at, yeah, Lehigh senior, 10-8 kid in, in the 100-meter dash. We saw him at the Legends Classic. Miami thinks probably a cornerback for him, and I think he's a guy where if he played on maybe this side of the state, he would have 25 yeah. offers. His or, film or like is that. nasty. Have you yeah. seen his film? It's really good. Like I think he's a four-star all the way. But yeah, yeah, I think he's a stud. Like I yeah. think he's what everyone thinks thinks Marcus Clark is, but 
that's a conversation for the no- <laughs> another day. Okay, so you named kind of two under the radar guys that would be on commit watch. Give me just a big timer who, you know, Miami needs to make a strong impression of whether or not, you know, they maybe have a realistic chance or not, but who who would it be good to see like okay, Miami Miami made up some ground with this guy. Thad Franklin, uh, the running back out of Hollywood, Shamanan, Madonna Prep, top 247 kid. He's a guy that was previously committed to Miami, opened his recruitment back up. I just think it's not, not a loaded year at running back in the state of Florida as it was in like in the 2020 class. And he's probably the best of the best, and you're going to get him back on campus. So I think he's someone that the coaches would love to get back in the boat and I'm sure they're going to keep chipping away regardless. But the fact that he's going to be on campus is good and he's expected to visit a ton of schools this spring. So Miami really needs to, um, in my opinion, make a strong impression just because he's probably going to be comparing a lot of visits to that visit. Anyone else you want to highlight that's, that's on your list? No, no. I mean, that's it. We'll see who shows. I I would definitely stay locked to the site uh we're gonna have a live updates thread going on just you never really know um it's south florida anyone can show up uh and anyone who says they're gonna show up cannot show up you kind of know how it goes all right so let's transition to um some support staff changes were made uh to the football program coach hypolite um is it hypolite or hippolyte do you know i think i think it's hippolyte okay Benedict Hippolyte. Benedict Hippolyte from Carroll City. Um, joined the staff as what? A, he's a GA? Yeah, offensive GA. So what does that mean? I mean, Carroll City has been a very impressive program here in recent years under his leadership. Um, you know, I guess the question Miami fans will want to know is how does this help? with Miami's recruiting efforts, you know, on in the inner city or, you know, in that North Dade corridor area? Do you think it matters or not? I do. I think it's a smart move for Miami. I mean, they're making a bunch of kind of shuffling and this happens every off season, but it seems like this year there's been more, I guess, shuffling of, of the analysts and kind of moving guys around just because, We've seen a change in offensive coordinators going from Dan Enos to Rhett Lashley. But Benedict uh, wasn't at Carroll City this past season. He was actually the, I think, offensive coordinator at Florida Memorial, which is a HBCU. That, that's oh, going to be okay. a startup, startup program. But he was there um, the two seasons prior to that. Led him to like a 19-8 and an eight record. Cam Harris was on one of those teams. I, I I mean, I think if you're bringing for bringing in a GA, this is as good as it's, as it's going to get. I, he's not going to get out on the road and and recruit and all that, but he's a familiar face and he's well respected in in the community. And he's a guy who's a very passionate uh, yeah. motivator. Yeah, like his pregame speeches are are unreal. And I I mentioned this on the message board that I had a story that was too long to type out. So I, I guess I'll just kind of explain the story right now. Um, Chris Hayes, who works for the Orlando Sentinel, he kind of does some recruiting for them. He, for some reason, was down here in South Florida, and he told me that he swung by Carroll City to 
I think grab some kids after practice or, or whatnot. And he had told coach Hypolite that he was coming by. And this was right when they were making their state state playoff run. And uh, if you recall, the FHSA state finals were held in Orlando. Well, anyways, right. coach Hypolite starts giving his post game or post practice speech. And I remember one day I was waiting and I think I timed it at like 25 minutes but he's going on and on and on. And then finally he gets to some point in the speech and he points at Chris Hayes and he goes, and screw, I mean, he used a different word, Orlando, like in reference to, I don't know why he just picked him as, as the, uh, the guy representing Orlando or, or whatnot. And it was, it was just kind of funny. Uh, but he's a fiery motivator. And I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I it's a, well, he's it's also smart. he's very animated while he's coaching too. Like he definitely, uh, and you know, it's not it's not mean spirited or anything, but he definitely interacts with the refs and uh, he definitely hypes up his guys during a game. And I'll say this too: like his offense at Carroll City was, you know, pretty up tempo, pretty wide open, definitely a spread offense, right? So, yeah. I mean, he's kind of a good fit with. Uh, with what Rhett Lashley wants to do, fair to say. Yeah, and one other thing is Miami was pretty excited about this hire. So they're, if they're excited, then they must like it for some reason. That's why yeah, it's passed along to me, I guess. I would assume it, it. they feel like it will strengthen some recruiting ties, fair to say. Yeah. Uh, the other one I wanted to talk about, uh, Joel Rodriguez leaving to be um, the new offensive line coach at FIU. For those unaware, he was a senior analyst on offense this past season. I think it's a good career move for him. I, I know he's a Miami grad, and yeah, uh, it sucks to see him go, but kudos to him, or, or, or congrats to him, really. Yeah, he's he's working his way up the coaching ranks. I'm sure, you know, this being a position coach at the uh, Division One level was was kind of his goal. Um, you know, Butch Davis, I don't know exactly, but I would assume he recruited him at some point to Miami, um, back in the day. So there's that tie there and, you know, who knows down the road, maybe we see Joel Rodriguez return as a Miami offensive line coach, you know, much further down the road. So like you said, good, good for him. All right, David, why don't you plug the special going on? Yeah, yeah. So we have a weekend special uh, for a VIP subscription uh, on InsideTheU.com. It is 60% off an annual subscription. So uh, that's going to be a year's worth of coverage. You know, 2020, it's shaping up to be a pretty interesting year for Miami football with the addition of Derek King and this local 2021 recruiting class being so loaded. So uh, there's going to be plenty of news and scoop and stuff to stay on top of. Uh, If you want the insider juice, I would definitely take advantage of this deal. I think it ends up being like $45-ish for an annual subscription with with 60% off. So that's a pretty good deal for a year's worth of coverage. So I hope if you enjoy this podcast, don't subscribe to the website. You know, maybe show us some love and jump on this deal. We would certainly appreciate it. And um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. 
All right, guys. Well, that will do it. Like he said, we will have updates coming all weekend on recruiting stuff. So until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Take care.